travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode 61, Riding Vespas in Southeast Asia with Steve Mueller. How you get to a place during a trip can be a major theme of your travels and even the main focus, perhaps. Some people take hiking trips, others go cycling, and some look to motorcycles to get around. Today we'll chat with American Steve Mueller, who took his love for vintage Vespa motorcycles and turned it into a business, showing travelers the ins and outs of Ho Chi Minh City and eventually other areas of Vietnam and Southeast Asia. We are back from a hiatus. Let's call this season two. Thanks for joining us. This is Scott Coates. I am recording in Ho Chi Minh City. And as always, my trusty partner. Hey, Scott. Trevor Ranges here from hey, Bangkok, man. Thailand. Uh, how's, uh, how's Vietnam treating you so far? It's good. I'm over here for work for about a week and a half doing training with some uh, of our staff here. And we thought, why not take advantage of being over here to interview someone like Steve, who lives here. So brought the microphone and you and I are going to knock off a few episodes. It's a man. This is a busy, vibrant city. Uh, towers going up everywhere. It's uh, on the move. Yeah. You know, I haven't been there in uh, a couple of years now, I guess. Um, is it changing a lot? Is it growing a lot? Is it uh, still all motorbikes or, or are the cars starting to, to show up more and more? I mean, there are heaps and heaps of motorbikes, but cars are, are definitely creeping up. I think as more and more people get into the middle class, they want cars. And I know it's a thing in, in a lot of Southeast Asian cities. How do the roads kind of cope with it? Because they were not built for cars. So I'd be curious to see what happens in, say, another five years. For the moment, it's pretty all right getting around, but uh, it'll no doubt get worse. Yeah. Have you ever driven in Ho Chi Minh City? You know, I never have driven here. I would be up for giving it a shot, but uh, I just haven't really had the opportunity. You know, when I was doing my MBA uh, in Ho Chi Minh City, um, I got around by motorbike, usually on the back of a motorbike taxi. Um, but I do believe, actually, now that I think about it, that I did explore my neighborhood a little bit. Um, and, you know, I, once you get the rules of the road, uh, the quote unquote rules of the road, um, and learn to go with the flow a bit. It's, it's still crazy, but uh, you, you learn to understand it a bit. Yeah, I think I'd be all right with it, mainly because I drive in Bangkok and I've driven in other areas of Southeast Asia and I kind of have an idea how things flow, uh, but that's probably just from years and years of being around it. So I wouldn't really recommend somebody just jump into it. You know, I mean, today's episode is really because I think we both love motorbikes and getting around on a motorbike. I mean, on top of a, a hog, it's kind of a, a cliche, but you really know you have the wind in your face. You can hear what's going on around you. You can smell the smells. You feel the temperature. You really absorb everything. And I think getting around on a tour on a Vespa is, is a pretty neat way to experience somewhere. Yeah, you know, my, my experience driving motorbikes may be a little bit different than yours. You know, I've driven off-road motorbikes all around Cambodia. Um, I've rented little smaller motorbikes just to get around Phnom Penh and to get around Bali. Um, I also did drive in Nha Trang, which is up on the coast in Vietnam. Okay. Um, but that's nothing like the craziness of Ho Chi Minh City. 
Um, you drive around here in Bangkok. I just started doing that as well. I just got my Thai driver's license. Oh, nice. um, and I thought it was pretty funny when I got my driver's license. They show you uh, videos. Mm. And, and they show you videos of like, it could be Ho Chi Minh City or, or, or maybe somewhere in India. And they're like, look at this traffic. How could people drive like that? That's crazy, you know? <laughs> and uh, it's actually not so different from how they drive here. Yeah, I mean, I've done lots of dirt biking. And as you said, I drive around uh, in Bangkok. I drive to work. It's it, it's great. And, you know, there's been some more companies. I've known of Steve's company for a long time. And a friend of mine opened one in Kathmandu getting around on Vespas. I mean, they're super cool bikes. So, A, to have the opportunity just to be on a pretty cool vintage Vespa is, is unique in itself. And to me, if you can combine that with sightseeing, then uh, fantastic. You know, I've actually interviewed our guest today, Steve Mueller, uh, for a podcast a couple of years ago. And uh, we set up on the, the the sidewalk there in front of Cafe Zoom. And, and the reason we never ended up running that podcast was because the noise from the motorbikes on the street out in front of us um, just drowned out our audio track so often. Um, so I thought it was a cool concept to record there on the sidewalk right in front of all the motorbikes because then you could really get a feel for, for the buzz of the city. Um, but it just didn't really work out. So uh, why don't we bring in uh, our guest? I was lucky enough to meet our guest, Steve Mueller, about six years ago while hosting some guests on a trip in Ho Chi Minh City. I knew of his legendary Cafe Zoom in Ho Chi Minh, uh, which is really probably the best place to sit on a street corner, drink, eat, and watch thousands of motorbikes go by. And I was impressed with his business acumen and overall a sense of fun. He's been in Vietnam for quite a long time. He has his hands in lots of different projects. But the one we're going to talk to him about is his Vespa Tour Company, and I'm sitting with him in a hotel room in Ho Chi Minh City. Thanks for making time for us, Steve. Thanks, Scott. Nice to be on your show. And uh Good to be here. All right. Well, let's start at the beginning. How the heck did you end up in Vietnam? When and why? Okay. So uh, it was uh, about 20 years ago. I was in a car accident in, <laughs> in Maui. <laughs> yeah. In Maui. And um, I was laying in my hotel room with the, with a broken femur. and Oh, sorry. Hospital room with a broken femur. And I was like, maybe I'll get a little payout for this. And sure enough, I did. And I took all that money and did one year travel around the world. Oh wow! And went back to Hawaii for about six months and decided to come back to Vietnam. Uh, thinking maybe it can be a fun opportunity to to live in a foreign country and um, see what kind of opportunity there was. So a broken femur, a payout, and you end up in Vietnam eventually now with businesses. Yeah, well, I mean, I did spend all my money um, like on my year, year traveling, but sure. uh, so I came back to Vietnam probably with about seven hundred dollars. And on the second day I was here, I bought my first Vespa. Really? Yeah. Cool, huh. cool. What was the reason for buying the Vespa? You just needed a bike, or were you always into yeah, Vespas? I mean, or? Yeah, so, um, I mean, literally back then, there really wasn't many cars on the road, and the motor transportation was it was the motorbike, and it still is today um, for the majority of people moving around in Vietnam. But uh, there was actually, you, had a, you know, there wasn't many choices back then. So it was basically the Honda. The Honda Dream was a, was a, was the choice of bikes, and if you had a Honda Dream, you were somebody. And I, I couldn't afford that. It was about two thousand dollars because they're all imported from Japan. Oh, okay. And uh, the Vespa, the Vespa has had had been around since uh, since the fifties and the sixties. They were um, brought over by the French uh, and started in the fifties, and and then until uh, until the, the end of the war when the doors. Pretty much closed down. So communism came in, the doors closed, and so basically you had to maintain what you had. 
And that's what the Vietnamese did um, for the best of us. So that's why there were so many of them here uh, when I first came here in, uh, in 90, 98. So and they, were, they were a cool ride as well. So And you could pick them up back then for a couple hundred dollars and off wow. you go. Isn't it funny now? Like I just bought a Honda Cub, which is a dream. And those things are almost cheaper now than a good Vespa is now more expensive, at least in Bangkok. So, yeah. I mean, to, what got you to take these Vespas to the next level? Like, what do you love about Vespas and why did you decide to make a business out of it? You know, it's, um, it's the Vespa is kind of a love-hate relationship because they break down all the time. Well, back, back then they did um, because I didn't have a, a really good good bike that, that time. But it's... You know they're so they're so iconic. They're they're just a cool ride, and so and I really couldn't afford much anything else. So I I just maintained what I had, and uh, then one day I had a friend from New York visit, and he said, "Man, that is so hot now in the states." Huh. He said, "Hey, can you get some over to me in the states?" And I was like, "Yeah, let me, let me see what I can do." So that was the beginning of my restoration business. So oh, okay. uh, so I'd buy buy the bikes up and uh, get them restored and then export. And next thing I know, I was uh, in that business and and uh, exporting them all over the world. Wow! Did that, and I, I still do that today, but uh, not as much. But the, but I saw that business is not being sustainable because there's only so many of these bikes. And sure, sure. Right now, they're almost all gone. Oh, really? Yeah. So. I'm, I'm, I've been kind of hoarding these things for my business. Huh. And at what year did you turn it into a business? A so, so I started my restoration business in 2000. I was with, with Lambrettas and Vespas. And uh, by 2000, say, 6, 2007, started looking into the uh, the tour company. And uh, so, so my tour company's been around since 2007. But uh, I started collecting more and more of them instead of... And it's a restore and sending them out. Yeah. Wow. So 10 years. Hey, happy 10 years. Yeah, that's actually we're selling our anniversary this year. Yeah. How many bikes do you have now? Now we have about 285 vintage Vespas. Wow. Holy hell. And uh, about 45 uh, new bikes. And those are for Cambodia. We don't have vintage Vespas in Cambodia. Okay. So so you, you got the bikes. You started exporting them because you were really into them. And then you figured doing a tour would be more sustainable. How did those first tours like start up? What was uh, Were they pretty makeshift? Were you just driving around people? Or did you hire some staff straight away? How did the business really get started doing the tours? Yeah, it was very organic uh, in the sense that uh, basically I, I, did it, I, did, I did do it the wrong way. Um, but I had a couple of lucky breaks. But basically, I just wanted to uh, go places that I wanted to go to. Basically, Vietnam was uh, developing, so they were opening up a lot of new roads, and those new roads were just, uh, was just you know, incredible. I mean, the ride from, like, say, uh, in the mountains down to the coast, uh, I mean, literally, the roads were being built while we were starting our tours, and, mm-hmm. we, you know, we'd hit, you'd hit a patch where there was... They hadn't finished yet, or whatever it might be. But so yes, up up coastlines. So so the the tours originally started as longer tours, and then uh, it was really tough getting getting the business going. I I would say the first two years we didn't have really much business at all, and then uh, and then one day the show came out. It was uh, it's called Top Gear. Oh yeah, I know Top Gear. Yeah, right. So Top Gear came out, and they did a show in Vietnam. And the guys rode bikes, and one of the bikes they were on was one was a Cub, 
Yeah. One was a Mintz and the other one was a Vespa. Uh huh. And they drove all the way from Ho Chi Minh City all the way to uh, Hanoi. Ooh. And uh, this show, this like, was instant success. I mean, I mean, huh. the show was already world famous, but but that show itself really uh, did so much for uh, for Vietnam, as far as putting uh, Vietnam on the map for uh, for for riding bikes. Mm-hmm. And even today, you see, I mean, people, the young kids riding up and down, you know, going uh, from Saigon to Hanoi or Hanoi to Saigon. So, because of that show, um, we were already established. So the, the, the uh, next thing I know, the phones ringing, the emails are coming in. We want. How do you get on? A, how do you do a ride on a Vespa up and down the uh, up and down the country? So we were already established, and that overnight really kind of kicked the business off. Huh. So are people driving their own Vespas, or are they on the backs of the bikes on all the trips, or how, so, how does it work? Yeah, we kind of we've kind of changed our business model. We're not. We don't really do. We don't do as many long tours anymore. Okay. The more of the focus of our tours are. Uh, half day tours. Okay. And uh, so we do city tours or uh, foodie tours, countryside tours. Uh, so most of the time they're on the back of the bike. Okay. But we do have, uh, we do have, and originally when we did our long tours, the people were driving. They were okay. driving, they were driving our bikes. So you're, I mean, you took me out last night on a craft beer tour and I was comfortably on the back because we were drinking lots of beer. So yep. you've got the trips here in Ho Chi Minh. You've also got them in Hanoi. Where else in Vietnam do you do trips? Okay. So we're, uh, Going up the going up from the south to the north, we're in uh, Saigon. You know, we're in Hanoi. I'm sorry, Hoi An, mm-hmm. which is outside of Da Nang. Right. And Hue and Hanoi. Okay. That's huh. in Vietnam. And then we're also in Cambodia, and uh, Phnom Penh and Siem Reap. Okay. Interesting to hear that most of the trips now you're just sitting on the back relaxing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that you know that that's. I mean, just for liability reasons, it's. Uh, you know, we were in Vietnam. It's not like any other place. You, you know, it's not like yeah. the states or Canada where you've got safe, safe roads and road conditions, and it's kind of organized chaos here in, in uh, Vietnam. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a lifelong motorbike driver, and I've driven all over Thailand and stuff. But I gotta say, like, I'm comfortable on all kinds of bikes, but. I think being on the back here in Ho Chi Minh is probably the better idea. It's yeah. it's, it's tricky looking. Yes. Yeah, you know that's that's an experience in and of itself. Just uh, sitting on the back of one of those bikes and driving around. If if you haven't been in in the type of traffic that we have here in Asia, um, and Cambodia is a little bit similar, but not not quite as hectic. Uh, so, are you basing your tours in Cambodia out of Siem Reap or Phnom Penh or, yes. or down the so beaches? Each uh, each location we have an office, and uh, you know we have the bikes and uh, you know and staff. Uh, so. Yeah, each location we we uh, we have similar. You know, just, every tour every tour is different, but with a similar idea. Like off the beaten track, check out you know go places that you wouldn't go on your own. Uh, we try to stay away from the really touristy the touristy areas. Uh, uh, of course, you go to Sim Reap. You're, we're not gonna we're definitely gonna take you to the Angkor Wat, uh, but with a, with a million other people. But that's not typically our tours are all about. Uh, off the beaten path. Okay. Okay, and and you said earlier it's, you're not using Vespas in uh, in Cambodia. No, we 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 use Vespas, but they're the, the new ones. So the so the new models. So huh. so I mean the uh, which is you know it's it's a lot different I would say, but we can still get away with saying they're Vespas. Hmm. The vintage are definitely a, a cooler bike. Yeah. How long have you been in Cambodia now? Uh, three years. Okay, so three years. Yeah. So you're in Vietnam and Cambodia. Yeah. Okay. Now, 
I already mentioned I'm a lifelong motorbike driver and I love motorbikes. I'm sold on the concept. But, I mean, what do you think traveling a destination by motorbike brings to the experience that no other way of traveling does? Like, why motorbike? Okay, so, I mean, Vietnam, got 90 million people here. Oof. And I would say there's probably 90 million motorbikes out there. <laughs> so, uh, so you just, you know, you know, it's kind of, you know, if, you, if you're gonna if you're gonna experience Vietnam, you got to understand what it's like. You know, you, you look out on the street in the city, and it's just it looks so chaotic. It looks like madness out there. Um, you're only gonna really understand it unless you get in it. Mm. So, uh, getting people on the back of a bike, they get a really sense of just how it works. You know, that how does organized chaos really does work. And 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 and, and I would say, ninety percent of my guests are like, wow, that is. That that it works somehow. So and and it's exciting too. I mean, you're 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 amongst the people. You know, you can reach out and say hello to somebody while you're riding down the road. It's just it's a kind of a. I did last night. Yeah, it's not, it's not like a like you're encased in a car. You're 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 you know, hey hey, how you doing? Um, so it's it's a really kind of a personal thing where you can uh, be amongst the people. Okay. Um. So you know, if if people want to explore. The region by motorbike or if they want to learn to, to drive a, a vespa on their own uh you, is that possible to do in the region or is that something maybe you just don't recommend people try at all that's that's a good question i like um i would say because of the show that that i mean it's 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 uh hard to imagine what what the impact that show had on uh on travel in vietnam uh but but Young people come every day and buy a cheap motorbike, and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a big market out there for it. There's, there's a couple of guys in Saigon and Hanoi that just uh, focus on that market to sell to young backpackers. They can pick up a bike for three or four hundred dollars, hmm. and uh, they just they, you know they get they get to strap their backpack on the back of it and off they go. Hmm. And uh, it's 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 a common scene here. Um, it's uh, you know, and the the roads are are fairly good in Vietnam for for that kind of experience, um, and it's not not so difficult to not so difficult to get around. I mean, the, you know, if you're on the highway, I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, our, the national highway here is is this I call it a it's it's awful and it's dangerous. But if you're on the back of back the back roads and you stick to the back roads, you're you're gonna have a really good time. Yeah, you know, something to keep in mind, and, and I, I sound kind of old saying this, but if you often your travel insurance doesn't cover you on motorbikes, and especially if you don't have a motorbike license. I have a motorbike license yep. from Canada and in Thailand, yep. but if you don't have a motorbike license, your okay. travel insurance is void. You're too, right. You're, you're right. That's a good point, too. So these guys, everybody who's doing it, they are taking their own risk. Uh, example, all of my guests on the back of the bike are mm. insured, yeah. but the ones that are driving are not insured. Yeah. So, you know, with my company, we make sure they, they sign a waiver. Sure, sure. So all these young people who are just buying bikes and off they go, um, yeah, they're not they're not covered. Yeah, it's, it's worth thinking about. And I always think it. I was going to say I think it's funny. I don't think it's funny, but whenever you you fly in the region, and I, I flew to Bali the other week, and I saw a guy. He has bandage on his leg, bandage on his arm, yeah. and like I've heard him called the uh, the Kopang scar, like. You know, you know they've they've rented a, a motorbike somewhere, yeah, no yeah. experience, driven around an island, wiped out, and and then they've got the bandages. You know, it, it's yeah. 
driving a motorbike is no small feat, especially in a foreign land. That's right. I mm-hmm. totally agree. And um, the rules don't apply here. So the rules? The rules? <laughs> Sorry, I, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, you're right. What rules? Yeah. And yes, and there's the whole driving on the other side of the road, no matter what country you're from, because uh, there you, go. you know in Thailand exactly. we drive on the left, in Cambodia drive on the right, uh, in, in Ho Chi Minh yeah, no. City I think you just drive on the sidewalks or wherever you can. <laughs> that's you're you're right, Trevor. That's the way that's, that's the way it works here. And so yeah, for the insurance, um, the only way you can get insurance here is you got to have a Vietnamese driver's license. Okay. Okay. So just sit on the back of one of your Vespas. There you go. Do you, have you seen, and I mean, you've been at it 10 years. Do you see a, a growing popularity in kind of Vespa tours? I, I know of a friend in Nepal that runs them, but, but have you seen it take off other places? Um, I get a lot of inquiries about it. Uh-huh. Um, uh, more than I thought I would. There, there, are, there are popping up here and there. Um, and you know, Vietnam is notorious for being cop- the copycat uh-huh. uh, country. So I've got, I personally in Vietnam, we've got probably five copycats <laughs> that are calling themselves Vespa Adventures. Vespa Adventures, Vespa <laughs> Vietnam, Vespa Vietnam, yeah. Vespa uh, Adventures, or Vespa, whatever it might be. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Okay, so it's it's growing. But but it's not only the Vespas. I mean, uh, there's probably a hundred now, probably a hundred motorbike. Tour, tour companies now. It's, it's become very popular. Hmm. I, 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 I want to say we're the, we were the first ones, um, and uh, and people saw the popularity of it, and, and then overnight there's, you know, there's 20, 30, 40, now it's probably 100. Yeah. Wow. Wow. All over the country. So you could get, you could pick, you could do a motorbike, you could do a motorbike tour probably every city in this, in the, in the country now. Now, I know in Cambodia, like, because I've spent a lot of time in Cambodia, so I, I drive around there, um, and you can get a bike pretty easily, you know, whether it's an off-road bike or, or just a, a little scooter. Um, one of the things I found is that the helmets over here are pretty bad. So, uh, you know, next time I go home, I'm going to be in the market for, for a good helmet. When I was in Bali, I got a good one with a face shield just because uh you know they got some like highways there um if people are going to come to do some motorbiking around the region would you recommend they bring any special equipment or anything uh yeah i mean you could it's it's funny helmets seem like most more of a fashion statement than it is for something (laughs) for safety um and they and yeah the quality can range uh and i mean none, none of these helmets would pass any kind of standard in in uh developed countries um yeah so a good helmet is not necessary to bring uh, because you can find them here um uh, but but if you really if you're if that if you're really concerned about that yeah i definitely would recommend bringing your own helmet um but you could pick up a good helmet in vietnam for about 50 bucks hmm. so i mean I, I which i would feel very comfortable with okay so what are the most popular tours, and how can people find what you do online? Uh, so, the most po- our, our, probably our most popular tour is uh, a night out on the town uh, after dark, and uh, we do uh, basically take you to local places that you wouldn't find on your own to go eat, and we also have entertainment. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's our most popular tour. It's called Saigon After Dark. Mm-hmm. Um, but to find us, 
just type in Vespa and it will sh- probably show up somewhere in, on the first page, I hope. What's the name of the website again? It's VespaAdventures.com. Vespa Adventures. And I mean, you guys took great care of us last night. Like food, drink, I was fed and watered well. And uh, yeah, it was. Uh, you take real good care of people. Well, you know, um, as we said, there's not a lot of rules here. And, and uh, <laughs> some people, you know, the, the, the tour does include all you can eat, all you can drink. And some people do take that literally, the drinking part of that. <laughs> so, you know, we, we, um, some of my, some of my guides do kind of maybe push it a little too much where we, we have a thing called roadies. So you know, everybody has a beer in their hand and they're oh. riding around with a beer yeah. in the back of the bike. All right. So, yeah. A yeah. lot of fun. Awesome. But other, you know, I mean, I would say now probably the most popular destination, one of the most popular destinations in, in Vietnam now is Hoi An and that's central Vietnam. Okay. And, um, that's a whole other experience in, in a big city here in Saigon. But, uh, yeah, Hoi An has a lot to offer as far as they got beaches, they got the mountains, and uh, beautiful countryside. Uh, so we we take our, our most popular tours of taking people into the countryside to see the real life of uh, the Vietnamese like farming and places like that. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. fun. Well, uh, thanks a ton for joining us, Steve. It's uh, A, thanks for hosting me last night and uh, being on the show. I'm sold on getting around on motorbikes. Like you said, you can talk to people and, I mean, you smell the smells. And, uh, yeah, it was a real terrific time. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Steve. Yeah, it was great to hear from Steve again. I'm glad that his uh, Vespa Adventure Tours is uh, really doing well. Yeah, he's a cool guy. As I mentioned, I met him many, many years ago, and I always admire people that start up really any business in a foreign land, but uh, he's he's worked real hard at, 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 I think, building this thing, and the fact that he has hundreds of bikes, and he's in four locations in Vietnam, and Phnom Penh, and Siem Reap, it's, it's no easy feat, and you know, it, it is fun to get around on motorbikes. I think sitting on the back of a motorbike, especially in a big city like uh, Ho Chi Minh, man, it, it's a trip. Yeah, you know, I think that's something that really shocks people when they first get to the region, when they see how crazy the traffic is on motorbikes, and that's how people get around and uh, to get to experience it. Not exactly firsthand, because I don't think a lot of people really ought to be driving. We did mention how dangerous it is for foreigners who aren't familiar with the traffic. But uh, again, just sitting on the back of a bike and cruising through this kind of traffic, uh, it's A, the easiest way to get around, and and B, it's one of the most fun ways. Yeah, there's no doubt, you know, I mentioned a couple times on this, I'm a lifelong motorcyclist and it's a great way to get around, but I think even if you're a motorbike rider, coming and doing it's not necessarily a good idea to do on your own and it's just so fun to let someone else do the work, just sit on the back of a super cool bike. I know like last night on the on the craft beer trip, like I, I, I smiled at so many people just because I was looking around and see people look at you and just kind of like wave at each other. And, and that's fun. That's fun. Like kind of actually connecting with people in traffic as you go around. It was it was a lot. Yeah. You kind of join them in their environment. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I love dirt biking. And if someone's experienced, like maybe in the countryside, rent your own bike. I think when you're when you're in the cities that he's got trips or, you know, maybe you're in somewhere like Kathmandu where my friend runs one. Uh, it's it's just an, a neat way to throw kind of a, a curve at your, your travels, have a day of travel in a different way and, and do it on a super cool bike, too. Yeah, I think it's a great experience. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, good to have him on. Well, we're going to be back in two weeks with uh, another episode, I believe, right? Yep. Good to be back on the horse. I'm glad we're uh, getting this going again. And uh, I hope everyone listening appreciates it as well.
Yeah, hiatus over. Talk to you, Travel Asia. Let's call it season two. This is the first episode, so thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks. Until then, dream of travel. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and Amber?